0: All right, welcome to Pardon the Confusion. This is a little different one. It's just myself, Nate Moyer, and Ernest Watts. We don't, we, no Paul, no David tonight. So we're going to see how this goes. We we tend to talk a lot of the group, so we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see if we can get we see if we can condense this into our normal forty five minute uh, outing. So, Ernest, how you doing tonight?
1: Pretty good. This is a Michigan free edition. Is that correct? It is this very Michigan free. Other for the, yes. for the forty nine states, we will not mention Wolverines at any time during this podcast
0: except for that. But yeah, I I (laughs) got to get in. in. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit of baseball. So we'll start off with baseball. Um, We have this fun little football thing. And then if we have time, we'll kind of talk about the LeBron saga that we just heard about with the front offices. So, so we'll, we'll go ahead and jump into the major league baseball. So the trade deadline just ended. Um, Ernest, what was your favorite trade of the trade deadline?
1: It's gotta be the grinky trade and, and more or less, that was the big blockbuster. That's the one that, that no one really, because background you heard a little bit about it, but now, because that leaves Houston with three All-Stars, Verlander, Cole, and Grinky. And their combined record is 36 and 13. They combined have a 2.85 ERA. Their war, which is, for those of you who are not in the analytics, that's basically how many wins above a replacement player is 13. And when you get in that first round of the playoffs, uh, it's three out of five. And even that, you really tighten up your rotation. I mean, this puts Houston front and above. And they were able to pull this off without getting rid of their their two biggest prospects, which is outfielder Kyle Tucker. They call him Ted Williams and a pitcher by the name of Forrest Whitley. They got rid of, and I know that came from your Diamondbacks. And I think the Diamondbacks actually did fairly well themselves because Seth Beer is a power-hitting first baseman. I've had the opportunity to see him live. He played at Clemson. I mean, he's he's somebody you can put at third base. He's not going to replace Goldschmidt. But I think you're going to be happy with him a few years. You also picked up Mac Mike Bleak from from Seattle.
0: I love is, that pickup. He he played ball at uh, Arizona State, so he's come back home. He uh, I guess he waived his no trade to come to Arizona. And I know the Dimebacks tried to get him last year, too, and – the deal fell apart. So I know the Dimebacks have been keeping an eye on leak. I'm excited to see him back. Um, I mean, he's not a amazing player, but I think, uh, he was great at Arizona state. I mean, I just, I guess I just have some nostalgia from him. He did so well in the college world series, getting him there, um, was just a strike machine. And so I, I know he have been with what Cincinnati, Seattle, he's been with a couple other teams. So I'm, I'm excited for him to be on the Dimebacks. Hope he's going to succeed. Well, uh, succeed there and hopefully maybe coming back to his college town. He'll, uh, he'll do well. Cause I think he's from Australia if I'm not mistaken originally. Um, but you know, played, played in Arizona. So he waived his no trade clause. So obviously he likes Arizona enough to do that. So I like that pickup. Um, I love the Granky trade for two reasons. I think it's great for the Dimebacks. Um, you know, they needed to get out of his, uh, salary. I mean, the Dimebacks are just not a, you know, cash heavy organization like the Yankees and things like that. So, um, for them, it made a lot of sense to get rid of Grinke. I, they only pay a little, they're still paying a little bit of money to, um, his contract to the, the Astros, but it still benefits the Dimebacks. They got some great players. Like you mentioned, I like the guy with the last name beer. I think that's fantastic. If he makes it up to the majors. Um, I mean the, those stadium giveaways are just going to sell themselves if he's, if he ends up becoming a good, a uh, good player there, maybe a star. Um, <laughs> but I, I, and the other thing I like about the trade too is if you're a Diamondbacks fan, you're kind of sad to lose lose Grinke. but now you're talking about he goes to the Astros, and what's probably the one team that could beat the Dodgers in the World Series. Now it's the Astros. So if Greinke goes to the he goes to the Astros and they win, and they can beat the Dodgers in the World Series, the Dimebacks fans are just going to be that much more excited by this trade. I-
1: and you don't have that long-term money thing because the money they pay out goes towards this year's salary cap. So next year you've got money to play and with some of your young players you've got. And you're right. I mean, this puts the Astros above the Yankees, and to the extent I think it puts them past the Dodgers. Dodgers have fielding difficulties. I mean, they're just a lousy fielding team, and – The postseason is so much different than the regular season. In the postseason, you play one-run games. I mean, you don't have these blowouts, these softball-type scores that we see. And I think the fielding problems are going to cause the Dodgers. I mean, I think the Dodgers are almost getting into like a Buffalo Bills in the mid-'80s type of thing. If they make the World Series, it'll be the third time. And the pitching has just never succeeded.
0: We're talking about the I, Buffalo Bills of the 90s, right, when they made the four straight well,
1: Super Bowls? Well, it started in the 80s. Late 80s and the 90s, yeah. But, yeah, the four Super Bowls. I mean, it's it's something. There are other teams that I thought also did really good things. You know, I got to throw a little shade to my Braves. They picked up uh, Shane Green from the Tigers, who was an There's all-star. There's another Michigan. Pitcher. See,
0: we did talk about Michigan. Yeah,
1: I did do that. And Mark Malcon, they got him from the Giants. So the, the bullpen has been a problem. The Braves have the most wins after the seventh inning, but the bullpen has just been fell apart. Starting, they don't have a a pitching rotation like the Dodgers have or like, for that matter, the Astros. They're kind of like the situation like the Yankees. They try to out-hit things, out-hit teams. I also like what the Indians did because they picked up some good power in there. They got Puig, which he's good for about a year or so.
0: If he's motivated, and if
1: he's motivated. It, yeah, well, I think he's motivated because he takes everything as a slot. And they also picked up the kid from uh, San Diego. They Their outfield had only 42 home runs for the season, and that's doubled with Puig and picking up the, the kid from San Diego. So I like because the Indians were like 10 games out before the start of June. Now they're only four games out of first place, and they've got a wild card slot. And I think that's what messed up a lot of these trades is a lot of teams were really felt like they were still in the playoffs. I mean, the Mets didn't want to get rid of Syndergaard because they're four games out. Uh, The Giants didn't want to get a Baumgartner because they're only four games out of... There's so many teams that are within four or five games of the wild card. You didn't see those big names move. I mean, Arizona knew they were out. They're too far out to get the playoffs. I mean, they, they were they were right move. there
0: with with a wild card. Like they could they it was in their grasp. They had a good run that would that could they could get that wild card. But I think they needed to be realistic, and I think they were about well, if we get into the wild card, and realistically we have Granke, so we can win that tiebreaker game. But after that, is this really a team that's going to contend? And I think they they were smart enough to realize that this team's not going to take them to the World Series. So you know, let's start building for. The future and what we can do and so I I like it I I, I think this kind of takes away any wild card shot for the Dimebacks this year I mean unless something miraculous happens but um I'm okay with it as a D-backs fan I, I think it was just it was a smart decision to do what they well, did and I think they got that picture um was a Zach uh Gallin from Miami yeah. so you've got him you got Mike Leak I mean they, they made some good moves they got some youth um so I overall I was really excited. I think the Diamondbacks probably did the best of teams that are not in contention. I think they probably had the best I trade I think deadline.
1: they made a smart decision because when you look at the wild card, you're looking well, we got to get past Washington, we got to get past Philadelphia. We got to get past of either Chicago or Milwaukee or St. Louis and uh, Dodgers, getting <laughs> I mean there's so many teams that you had to climb over and it again Grinkey's 35 years old. Pitchers just don't in this post-steroidal issue uh, age, you just don't see pitchers last that long. I know he's not a power pitcher and, but he has that slider. And and again, he's not the most easiest person to get along with either. He's not loved in every clubhouse he's ever been. I think this is a term this is a decision to set up the diamondbacks two or three years down the road.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and I mean, is great for what the Astros are. Their Astros are in the win now mode. Huh. Um, I think I think the Yankees not making a move is probably stings a little bit for the Yankees fans. And I know they were rumored to go be going after Robbie Ray of the Diamondbacks. And I think the Diamondbacks just wanted too much from my understanding. And the Yankees just kind of said no, which I think once the Diamondbacks knew they were gonna move on from Granky I think they kind of wanted to keep Ray, so they're like, "Okay, if you want Ray, you're going to have to blow us away," because we actually want to keep him now with what we're doing. Um, so I think I think that was the reason why the Diamondbacks just off, you know, wanted so much, and the Yankees. I think I think it was smart on both parts. I think the the Diamondbacks were smart to say, "All right, we really want to keep him, but if you want him, you're going to have to blow us away." And I think the Yankees are smart to say, "Eh, that's just too much. That's not you know, Ray's not going to get us over the hump here. He's just going to help our bullpen." So. I like, I think they both did a great job in, in that well, negotiation, I, but.
1: I think Yankee fans panic because of CC Sabathia going on the injured list and you, you never know he's one pitch from being done. I mean, he's 35 years old also, and he doesn't exactly have the, the body of a great athlete No, and, and you kind of worry, will he come back? And. The pitchers they do have, they've got one good one, but but the other guys have not. The kid they picked up from Seattle really hasn't stepped forward the way they thought have.
0: I mean, is that Paxton, probably, James Paxton? Paxton?
1: Yeah, yeah. Paxton has not really been as you know he threw the no hitter against the Yankees when he was with uh, Seattle. The the New York has a strange situation because you only got to get to the fifth inning because they have the best bullpen in, in baseball. But so they don't ask a lot out of their starters. So as opposed to the Astros or the Dodgers or the other contenders, they don't have to get six or seven innings from a starting pitcher. It's it's fascinating because I would think the Yankees would do well to mimic what Tampa Bay does. You know, Tampa Bay starts what they call an opener, which is a relief pitcher who comes in and pitches two or three innings. And then they just do the whole bullpen uh, for the next night and then they've got Morton or Snell to come in who will pitch good eight innings the next day. So they kind of concentrate the bullpen on one start, and and the Yankees are so deep. I'd bring in somebody to pitch two or three innings like Tampa Bay does and just use your bullpen. I mean, they've got eight good bullpen members. I would do that if I was a Yankees. That's smart Especially because it, the playoffs.
0: And if you can get a couple innings out of a pitcher, they don't need the full rest as a starting pitcher. If they say, hey, you're going to start the game and you're going to pitch three innings, you don't have to take the full, what is it, four days rest? You don't need that. Oh yeah. You could do it every other night, potentially, or every, you know, every two nights or something like that. You could do that. You could get out, you know, that could you could get creative with that. Um, you're right, with that bullpen. Um, but obviously at some point you're gonna need to get give that bullpen a rest too, um, in a playoff series. But yeah, I mean, that's the kind of the fun part. If you're a manager, that's kind of some fun things you can play around with. And um do <clears throat> you know I I you may know this trivia. Ernest, because you're pretty good with this trivia, but do you know who holds the most strikeouts for a relief pitcher in a game?
1: You set me up for a fall. I know who it is in the World Series.
0: It's, a, it reg- it's a Diamondback. I'll give you a hint. It's okay, a go ahead. It's Randy Johnson, because he technically came ah. in. There was a game that was like a rain delay, and the starting pitcher was out in like the first inning, right? They went to the rain delay after the first inning, and Randy Johnson came in in the second inning and basically pitched the equivalent of like, you know, seven, seven innings in a row. So because technically it was relief, considered a relief appearance because he was a second pitcher and um, he got it. So anyway, that was just kind of a fun trip. Now I don't know if that's ever been um, broken. I feel like that was a really cool statistic back in the day, but that, that may have been changed now, but I'll have to Google that sometime. But
1: I'll tell you who is in the World Series.
0: Who's in the World it Series?
1: Was, it's, uh, it was game two, 1966. It was Mo Drabowski, and he had 13 strikeouts as a relief pitcher. He came into the second inning. For Dave McNally, this was uh, Sandy Koufax's last World Series. And the Orioles won it four games to nothing. And the Orioles only scored a total of nine runs the entire World Series. The Dodgers only scored two runs. I wow. mean, it was it was a pitching battle. But Drabowski came in, and this is not a guy who was known for uh, throwing it very fast. But he came in, and he was just, you know... This is one of those examples of those unknown heroes you get in the World Series. He came in and, and set the record for a World Series. I'm an Orioles fan, so I remember that. And I actually, have to, I have to admit, I watched it live, so that's even the worst part. So,
0: Yeah, I, I like – it's funny. I actually like the I, – I don't – I have nothing against the Orioles. I went to a game in 1994, the year they had the All-Star Game, because I got a bat in the stadium and I had the um, – the Logo for the all star game, and I got to see Carl Ripken Jr. play. I think it was like the first or second year Camden Yards was open. Um, so I've I've kind of I mean, the Orioles have been so bad, I think, since I've been to that game. Um, but it it's, was really it, kind of cool. I like the stadium, and then they used it for Major League Two. Um, they filmed it there as the Yankees home stadium or not the Yankees, the uh, the Indians, including the, Indians. the Indians' new stadium.
1: You know why um, they've been bad, don't you? It's the curse of Davey Johnson. Davey Johnson in 1992. They won the American League East. Excuse me. It was, yeah, eh, 97. They won, yeah, 97. They won the American League East. And he got into a big fight with the owner, uh, Peter Angelos. And the day that Davey Johnson was named American League Manager of the Year, Angelos fired him. Wow. And ever since then, the Orioles have been mediocre at best. They've been in the playoffs one time since then since uh an old uh, arizona manager was their manager at that time you remember mr buck, buck Showalter.
0: he's he's no. the guy that sets him up like every team he's been on was it like the yankees he kind of built the yankees up and then he got fired and then Dime the and yankees backs. started winning that he comes to the dimebacks gets them set up then he gets fired they bring in bob renley in 2001 and he wins the world series i mean that's it, it, kind of almost like dennis green with teams. Dennis Green was doing that with the Vikings. And then they, they were really good after he left. And the, the Cardinals, he was with the Cardinals coach, kind of through the regime change um, with, you know, uh, he drafted Larry Fitzgerald, which everybody thought was crazy because he knew him as a ball kid when he was with the Vikings. Um, but he set up that team. He leaves, Ken Wisenhunt comes in, he takes them to the Super Bowl. I mean, those kind of managers, it, it's just hard because it, it, it's hard to tell a guy like, yeah, I need you to build up this team, but we're going to fire you before we make that run. So you basically have nothing to show for it except for the fact that you, you know, you're basically the architect for this team, but you weren't pushing the right buttons. So I always feel for Buck Showalter. Um, I liked what he did with the Diamondbacks when he first came. The rule of like they have to be clean shaven, they have to, you know, no crazy hairdos, no facial hair, and then he relaxed the rule when Randy Johnson came because the Diamondbacks were like, we want Randy Johnson so bad. We're gonna. He was the first player on the Diamondbacks to ever be able allowed to have a long hair and facial hair at the same time, because none of the Diamondbacks at the time, prior to that, they weren't allowed to be on the team if they didn't, weren't clean-shaven. That was kind of funny with with Buck. But anyway, go on. Sorry. I, we a little well, I was going to say,
1: way. that begs the question, is is and I'll throw it up, is Bob Brindley the worst manager ever to win a World Series? Because he never, ever managed anywhere else. He's been in TV I mean, I know that's hard to ask because you're a Diamondbacks fan.
0: No, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think it was more, the, did he have just enough talent that it didn't matter? I mean, there's been saying about um, with the women's national team for soccer that they're so good it doesn't matter who coaches because I guess the, the the woman coach, she now she resigned. But um, there was articles about, I think, was it the old goaltender Hope Solo, I think? Anyway, yeah. there was something about – this ma- well, she- this manager's not great. It's just the team is so talented. Even she can't mess it up, kind of thing. I wonder if that's what it was like with Bob Brenly. He really didn't have to do too much, and I think he had really good um, assistant coaches that helped him with that because he just basically had to manage, you know, the two pitchers in the playoffs, Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson. He did push the right buttons in the World Series, you know, with certain pinch runners, certain pinch hitters. I mean, so uh, realistically, that shouldn't have gone, ga- you know, seven games. I think bringing in Byung Hun Kim and He blew two saves in a row. I mean, I think that was just some New York magic. I don't think that had anything to do with, with Brindley, And realistically, and it could have been a at, better And s- after
1: 9-11, it was set up for a Yankees win.
0: It really was. I and mean, that
1: would have been the storybook, Andy. Uh and I love Brindley. I loved him when he broadcast for the Cubs. I love when I get occasion to listen to a Diamond Cat diamond, uh backs- uh, broadcast TV, I do, think he does a great job. I mean, he's a great, I think he. Oh, I love Brentley. I, I just, I think coverage.
0: if I was picking out a manager, he would have never, you know, I really wouldn't consider him. But, you know, uh, when you're, when you win a championship, especially in Arizona, that's our biggest one. That's basically our only one. We love everybody on that team. I mean, I, I don't know what they could say the worst things about us and we'd still be like, "Yeah, you win us a World Series. We like you. So there's <laughs> another one I would throw
1: up. In the last 25 years, there's one other name I would say was probably the worst manager to win the world series. And that's Ned Yost with the Royals.
0: Well, he's been there for a long time though, right?
1: Yeah. But Trey Hillman pretty much set that team up and he came in and this hurts because he used to be a third base coach for the Braves. So I'm very familiar with Ned. Yost. Just be a catcher with the Brewers. But the, those are two guys that, well, you know, the simple fact when Yost leaves, I don't see him picking up another job, kind of like Brinley. I mean, oh, yeah. He, true. He, I mean, managers in baseball are retreads all the time. I mean, if you get fired from one job, we just talked about Show Walter. That's one of the best examples. He kept falling forward. I mean, he never really won with any of those teams. And the bulk of managers that you see have had jobs before that they're reprocessed. And I don't see Yost getting a job if he released Kansas city, which might be this year. And I don't, you never see Brindley on the short list because usually guys who go to the booth, basketball, football, and baseball usually all wind up. They want to get back and take that one more job. They have that, they have that. Maybe Brindley does not have that desire Maybe he looks at that trophy and that World Series ring and go
0: I don't yeah I, I mean fool them
1: all I fooled them all
0: It worked, it worked well he's already got he's got the pinnacle right which is one of the World Series What do you think of AJ Hench? so he came up you know his first job in baseball was
1: Oh yeah yeah he was with the Diamondbacks
0: That was his first manager job he came from like the front office or something
1: Yeah he was player personnel That's a I, I remember when he was a catcher with the Oakland A's and uh, when he got the job, I forget who your GM was at that time, but I think he was ex agent. I think he was your GM that time. It was his first job he ever had, and he was kind of set up for a, a fall because wasn't Tony La Russa involved in management at that time? I don't know was if it was diamond?
0: Dave Stewart and La Russa, I don't If that was, I think
1: so. I think I they think came Hench in. Got,
0: I think Hench got fired before those guys came in.
1: I think that kind of moved in and kind of helped force him out. I think some of the time Hinch has done, again, he is very analytic savvy. He always has been I think he was a graduated with a math degree from college and he he fits in so well with uh, the GM there at Houston. and they it's you know amazing because Garrett Cole was a mess when he was Pittsburgh. and he goes because all he did was throw high and get hit for home runs. I mean, he was literally giving up gopher balls all the time. It's kind of like Verlander. Everybody thought he was spent when Detroit traded him. Guys, pitchers go to Houston, and I don't know if it's something in the water. You know, uh, uh, the pitching staff over at Cleveland claims they, they use some, uh, shall we say, not legal ways But guys learn to work I mean, the breaking balls. They get so much better at the breaking balls. And that's the big thing in baseball now. It's not the speed of the fastball. It's how many rotations you get on your breaking ball, be that a slider or be that a curveball. And Hinch has just done a remarkable job there.
0: He has. It's it's kind of hard because it's a little bittersweet because you're like, well, you got him his first job, and I mean, with the Dimebacks, but I think he got the experience. He didn't really do that. Great, but he showed that <laughs> he could be a good manager. It just didn't really produce the wins and losses um for the Dimebacks, but it was a stepping stone. So um that was kind of tough. I think the manager you're thinking of was Kevin Towers, was oh, the manager. Yeah. Towers yeah. was
1: he wasn't a player agent before that. I mean, he came from he wasn't a traditional baseball guy.
0: But he just he depleted came from San Diego. Everybody in Arizona really didn't like him because he just depleted our farm team, our farm system. He traded away so many prospects uh, that really set us back as far as um, the farm system. So it's really good now. D-backs have one of the best farm systems now, but it took a while. I think after Kevin Towers, it was Dave Stewart, and he was Dave Stewart was there with Larusa. That was kind of a Larusa was kind of a front front office guy. Funny, I actually have a bobblehead of the Dimebacks bobblehead, and it's with Larusa, and he's got his black lab next to him on the bobblehead. So it's kind of a, it was a really cool, um, bobblehead to get, cause it was La Russa and he's standing there and we have a black lab. So that kind of made it kind of cool. Uh, but it was just funny. Like how many times is there a front office guy that gets a bobblehead, but La Russa was such a big name. And I think at the time, the dime really didn't have any good players on their team. So that was easy to make that a, a bobblehead. Push,
1: push a guy in personnel control. Well, that's right. Towers. I have to thank you because he gave us the Braves, our shortstop, uh, Swanson. Swanson. Yeah. The number one pick and they traded him the next year. You never hear of a team trading their number one pick in the amateur draft the second year.
0: No, but they were sold on Shelby Miller and he just poor Shelby Miller came over and just collapsed. Just it's never the same, had so much potential basically as what everybody saw in him. Like we kind of were like, All right, we'll give up Swanson, and I think we gave up a pick or something. Um, but Miller just never panned out and that was such a disappointment. I think everybody in Arizona, when he finally got cut, we're like, yeah, we're done with it. We're done with him. Like we really, he, we were rooting for him, but just,
1: yeah, he's that 20% that did not recover from Tommy John surgery.
0: Yeah. It was just a bummer. Like he, he'd have one good inning and you're like, okay, maybe he's back. And then he would, you know, implode. And you know, the d fans, we really want we were really hoping for him, you know, we felt bad for him, but just,
1: but you, you look know. at his motion, he threw across his body. As a left hander, and you just knew, like, he's just going to break down. I mean, there's just so much of the force of the throw was on the arm. I mean, when he was with the Braves and he did spot duty pretty well. I mean, we got suckered with that trade with the Cardinals when we picked him up. And you just looked at his motion, you thought, you know, I'm sitting here miles away and I can see this guy needs changes motion and it just yeah i do feel bad for the guy because he tried he, he didn't take his money and run which a lot of guys do in that situation miller actually tried independent ball and has not been successful there
0: so. really is that where he's at right now trying yeah, or yeah trying he's to
1: independent be. ball
0: wow that's a bummer well hopefully you got enough money from major league baseball that he's kind of set for life but i don't know i don't remember how much he actually made um but yeah, that was kind of over that. It's kind of a disappointment. But yeah, I was just never a big fan of Towers. We were just uh, a buddy of mine, um, season ticket holder. We talked about it so much. Like, "Oh, he's just killing our farm. He traded away so many prospects and, you know, it just depleted it. Get in that win now mode. Let's trade all the, you know, trade the farm to get some of these players that are, you know, ready now and it just just didn't pan out." But we just looked at the end of it and said, "Our farm team is so bad right now. Like, we don't have anybody. Like, we're just we're set back for a few years." And I think that you know the backs obviously not playing as well have re-gotten some good draft picks, made some good trades, and gotten um, some better farm farm players. So we're in, we're in a better position now um, to bring up some guys to make a difference. Now all you
1: got to do is put that pathway between the the mound and the battery right there. Yeah, you know, little the you. Know, put the grass there you replaced it that little dirt so trail bummed.
0: yeah i love that dirt trail but they went to turf instead of grass you so.
1: still cut it out they can still put
0: the dirt I t- there yeah, i agree i i was i was so disappointed that they went to turf um, a
1: little landing strip there it wouldn't hurt put a i liked it the only one that ha-
0: the only ballpark that has it now is what detroit there you go yeah, another, yeah. another mention of michigan um
1: we did it we can't help ourselves we try not to inside. do that
0: but you know Paul and David are making an appearance without making an appearance. But yeah, so, all right, Ernest. Well, we, we kind of ranted about that for a little bit. Let's talk about this. So now that the trade deadline's over, realistically there's no going to be big moves outside of injuries until the playoffs. Who, I don't I don't remember what you'd picked, but what are your new picks to win, to make the NL, To I'm sorry, to win the NL, win the AL, and who to win the World Series now that the trade deadline's over?
1: Well, in the National League, the Dodgers are ahead and above everybody. I mean, the, the Cardinals and the Brewers and the Cubs are going to beat themselves up. I don't know who's going to come out of that crowd. Uh, Washington did some pretty good pickups, but I think they're too far back. I think my Braves will win the East. I think Philly's going to fall short, even though they picked up Corey Dickerson, who's a pretty good uh, trade from Pittsburgh. So I got the Dodgers coming out of National League, and – yeah, uh, you can't go against that astro pitching and the, we tend to forget they've got good hitting ative and cora and uh, again uh, uh guriel i mean that's a pretty solid hitting team out
0: there so yeah i like you know they've got some they've got some world series experience too Win- i'm sorry world series winning experience <laughs> yeah, unlike <laughs> the dodgers right but, correct um you know I, I i like kind of the same teams i I really would like to see somebody other than the Dodgers in the World Series. I don't know if Milwaukee has enough. I don't know if the, the Nationals have enough. I think if the Nationals can fix some of their bullpen problems, they made some trades, hopefully that helps them, but I, they're just they can't get out of that first round of the playoffs. The so,
1: ironic thing I, is is the Nationals are a better playoff team than they are a regular season
0: game team. But they've never because, made it past the first round of the playoffs since they've been. Yeah,
1: but, but yeah, that's the curse of Harper. I hate to say that.
0: But he's gone, but, hey, so hopefully Yeah, he's, he's gone.
1: Well, you, I mean, if you throw up uh, Schlerer, uh, there are three pitchers.
0: And, and Scherzer, uh, Corbin, um, blanking on the third. Strasburg
1: Strasburg. Strasburg. Strasburg, there you go. I mean, that's that's those three are just below the three that the Astros have. You get in the short series that first, and you've know, got to win the wild card, most likely. But you can put any of those three up there, and then you rotate the other three. And there's enough time off between the playoffs that, again, they're a team that is, even though they've never gotten past the first round, I think it's the curse of Travis Harper. Uh, Bryce now,
0: Harper, or Travis
1: Harper, uh, Bryce, <laughs> Travis Harper. I'm thinking the old catcher for the like, oh, Angels, had Travis Harper, right. Bryce Harper. Yeah, how many people remember Travis Harper from the Angels? Uh, now, Dave Martinez is not the best manager in the world for the Nationals. No. He, he does some shaky decisions, but I do like the pickups they got. And I do like that front three. If they get in the playoffs, they could pull some upsets. Uh, again, the the, the, the uh, Cardinals have problems with relief pitching. Cubs can't hit left-handers. And the Brewers just don't have pitching at all. So every other team has a major problem. The, the Braves only have about two good starting pitchers. So you go with a team that has the least wrong, and that's the Dodgers. And the Astros, again, I think the Yankees, the good pitching beats good hitting all the time. And so we're going to see a, a replay of the World Series two years ago. We're going to see the Astros and Dodgers again.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think you're I don't really know anybody in the AL that's going to beat the Astros. I just... I'm not sold on anybody, and especially after this trade. I think it's, um, you know, appending any injuries. I think this is going to be a great, great world series again. And, you know, honestly, I, I just, I don't like the Dodgers. Um, they have a lot of, you know, history and all that stuff, but I guess it, when it comes to baseball, I don't like the two teams that have the most history, right? The, the Dodgers and the, and the Yankees. I just, I don't like those teams. Um, I like Boston, although I can understand why Boston fans are obnoxious, um, or considered obnoxious, um, I'm not a big Cubs. I have nothing against the Cubs. I was happy they won the World Series a few years ago because I know the Cubs fans that I knew were just desperate for it. Um, but just not don't like the Dodgers. The Dodgers basically are the Diamondbacks' um, rival. And, you know, so we don't, we don't like the Dodgers. So maybe that's part of it too. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I really hope that if the Dodgers make the World Series and it's the Astros or anybody basically against the Dodgers in the World Series, I hope the Dodgers get swept. I'd be, you know. Extremely pleased if that's <laughs> if that's the outcome. Just
1: you know the team that's gone the longest without a World Series win, victory, excuse me, a World Series title. Who's that? Cleveland Indians. We're oh. forgetting all about them, and they did very well at the trade. I think Kluber comes back. That helps their pitching rotation. I mean, they've actually got relief pitching this time. The Indians have the ability to pull the upset. They have just enough pitching to cause problems, and it'd be a great story to see Cleveland win. I mean, everybody loves Terry Francona. I think even Yankee yeah, fans think, yeah, like yeah, Terry he's, Francona. It's just a likable guy. I mean, I love uh, when the pitcher threw it in the center field, and and you could read Francona's lips like, "What are you doing?" I mean, he's just <laughs> he's just every just a nice guy. To me, he's a, he's. Uh, He's he's going to be a Hall of Fame manager. He's got two titles.
0: Absolutely, and I think Boston's never going to forget him. I think he's going to be beloved in Boston. Um, unless he went to the Yankees and was the Yankees manager and beat up Boston.
1: Never um, have to pay for a beer for the rest of his life no. when he goes to Boston.
0: No, everybody loves him. Kind of
1: like Bob Brenly in Phoenix,
0: right? Yeah, when people Brindley recognize him, through. yeah. <laughs> pick if up I his saw,
1: tab all the time.
0: If I saw oh. Brenly, I'd go shake his hand and say thank you. I mean, uh, you know. I'd shake his hand for 2000, the 2001 world series after that. Is, eh. Oh, I love Gonzo. I've yet like to Gonzo, meet him though. You gotta, I
1: was going to say that's who you shake the hands of is Gonzalez.
0: Well, I, you know, every, pretty much everybody in my family has met Gonzalez, and I have autographs from him from family members that have gotten them for him, including my wife who met him at a work function. I guess he showed up cause Henkel does something with the Dimebacks. Um, So I have all these autographs from. him. I've never met him. And then we were in San Diego and at this little kind of hole-in-the-wall breakfast diner. Um, He was at the table next to us. And I looked over at him, like, and he could kind of tell I recognized who he was. Um, I kind of gave him a nod, but he was with his kids. So I'm like, I'm not going to go introduce myself or shake his hand. He's with his kids. I'm not going to bother him, right? So I'm like, all right, well, I've kind of seen him in person, and I've got all these autographs. That'll work. But, yeah, Gonzo's a a favorite. And if there's any parents out there that have kids, they did a a blippy. Episode. Blippy's this YouTube sensation that kids love. And he did a thing where Blippy walks around a ballpark and they did it at the Arizona Diamondbacks ballpark. And Gonzo was doing the tour for him and showing him, like, hey, Blippy, you got to do this. Blippy, you got to do this. So, um, yeah, I mean, if he didn't love Gonzo already, I'm still like, hey, wait a minute, that's Gonzo. So, yeah, Gonzo's Gonzo absolutely is the guy that everybody in Arizona loves because he hit the game winning hit that was like his career year. He won, I think the home run derby that year too. Um, Basically he just, he had his best year, the year they won the world series. And then he went, I think a year or two later he left to go, I think he played for the Marlins because the D backs are like, well, we're kind of going a different direction. And the, and the fans were not happy about that. They're like, you know, we don't care if he's, you know, playing on one leg, We, we want Gonzo on our team. And so the Dimebacks, ended up making a mistake based on that, which was Eric Burns came in the next year. He was a huge fan favorite, just hustled, played really hard. And so the Dimebacks gave him a huge contract and he never, because they knew the fans loved this guy and like, we can't do this. We can't cut another fan favorite. So they gave him this big extension and he never panned out, but we love Burns. But I think it was based on Gonzo not getting signed. The Dimebacks overcommitted the next year to a, a fan favorite to kind of appease the fans and it. Didn't work out. So now Gonza works in the front office for the D-backs. He came back after he retired. So I think, you know, <clears throat> there's no ill will on either side.
1: And Burns does the Fox broadcast. He's uh, 11 o'clock every night. Yeah, the he, there, was a, up.
0: there was a funny thing about that. Like a couple years after that big contract, he's playing slow-pitch softball in California, still collecting a paycheck from the Dimebacks. It was kind of a funny thing. He had this Eric Burns show in Arizona um, on the Fox Sports channel, and he had this little van. And he would go places and film. And it's pretty funny. I mean, he was, he loved, you know, the fans loved him. They really did. It just, you know, the the talent just fell off. Um, But he was still loved in Arizona. But I think a lot of people have forgotten about him now. But um, I liked it. I think I have, I still have a couple of his bobbled heads. I loved, I loved watching him. He just, he hustled every time. So you give me an athlete that's going to hustle and has a ton of heart. That's, you know, that's going to be one of my favorites. So anyway, all right, so we both have Dodgers, both have Astros. Um, We're going to switch gears a little bit. So I found out today that Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City quarterback that everybody loves, sounds like Kermit the Frog, um, just uber talented right now, won the NFL MVPs on the cover of Madden this year. So he's got his own cereal box just came out. Um, He hasn't tried it yet. They interviewed him about it. He has not tried it yet, but apparently it's like a Frosted Flakes with just a little bit less sugar. Um, So – that kind of brings up this Ernest. What's your favorite like sports product? That's that's a guy, you know, the a sports sports guy.
1: I was just wondering, does the cereal give you a run pass option? Is RPOs in there? They should have <laughs> called that. They should have like made little circles and called it
0: X's and RPOs, O's. RPOs,
1: RPOs, RPOs. I got two. Okay, and uh, I hate to do this. Uh, one is still successful almost 20 years after this athlete but how many Air Jordans are up and down the street
0: That's true I mean, That's Michael true.
1: Jordan just cornered the market with a shoe that uh, again he didn't even wear Nikes he wore converses when he played at Carolina and there was a big fight and he was the first athlete to sign a shoe contract and it's rare that a product continues to sell itself. And again, not only is the shoes, it's, it's, there's a whole division of Nike because uh, uh, Zion signed with the Jordan brand for his shoe contract. And it's, it's fascinating that, and I got another one that I'll throw in only because today is a holiday. Do you know what today is?
0: Today is somebody mentioned it, but go ahead, Ernest. I can't think of it.
1: It's Madden day.
0: I didn't know that. I think I was the thinking of something 30th else. 30th
1: but... edition of Madden. There are kids that are playing Madden right now who A, don't remember when he was coaching. B, don't even remember when he was on Monday Night Football. and so They don't know who John Madden is, but they get the Madden. And you know, the Madden, there, there are two things I want to bring up. First of all, who was the worst football player ever to be on the cover of the Madden game?
0: I don't know. Who, who was it?
1: Peyton Hillis. Do you remember Peyton from the Browns? Yes.
0: Yes. He was like a fullback, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That year they let it was on the first time they ever did an online vote for whoever was going to be on the cover. And obviously there are a lot of Browns fans everywhere. And I think it was more of a joke than anything else. And I think he only gained like 300 yards the next year and got cut.
0: Yeah, I, he looked, didn't pan out. I think he must have had a good end of season or something and everybody picked him.
1: That, well, let's face it. Or good marketing.
0: They had a, they had a good yeah. a, Cleveland Browns had a good marketing. I mean, he
1: department. he was a unicorn. I mean, you know, that particularly he was a unicorn from LSU, and I think people kind of came to him to search, "Hey, you've had a cardinal on the front cover." Well, half the cover mad. You remember that, don't you?
0: The well, he was No, no, no. I'm thinking NCAA football had um,
1: oh, Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald was on Madden Ten with Palomalu. Remember that? The only time they went a split cover was Madden Ten.
0: Yeah, because couldn't you? You could well in Arizona. I think it was just um, it was just Fitzgerald, and then right. other states you could get other ones. You could you could either pick from ones, but in Arizona it was all everywhere it was else. All it, Larry. Was,
1: it was yeah, two of them. It was both of them. There. But you know the Madden curse. Was always about whoever and who's on Madden this year.
0: It's Mahomes. Yes, yes. Well, Brady and was I, on it last year, and he did he did fine. I yeah, Bowl. well,
1: I, I think the cur- it's like the I don't know if you're old enough to remember. There used to be a Sports Illustrated curse, and I think more of it's an issue that when you go up, you have nowhere else but to go down, and and athletes' careers are so short, you're naturally going to have an injury or there's going to be some regression in your performance. And I think that's more than anything else. I what mean, about, that's like, always,
0: been, what about the tiger woods curse? <laughs> oh well, yeah. Every one every, <laughs> now every, I think it's called always, PGA tour, right? I think it's called. PGA yes. Tour yes. That's
1: of, actually is him making the cut, but you know, he used to talk about, well, uh, let me see, Chad Johnson and he was on it and he got cut by Buffalo Vince Young was on it. Uh,
0: Vince Favre Young. Got,
1: that was. Ugh. Yeah, Favre got traded, signed with the Jets after they the changed the cover. He had to order uh, Dante. Col- maybe a, Cole Culpepper. Pepper, I think was right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah was on Culpepper was pretty bad too. Not as bad as him, but Sean Alexander, Eddie Jordan. I mean, that's. I think it's more or less the short career of football athletes, and I think that yeah. attributed to the curse more than anything else. But thirty years. This is the thirtieth. Madden game, which has been produced
0: i've I remember playing the in the nineties on like sega Genesis with it with the old ones, and you know they repeat the exact same phrase all the time, and um uh, there was one that was uh it was just funny i i can't tell you why this is always stuck in my head, but every time I hear you know coming up on the two minute warning in the old madden game, it was hilarious because it would say coming up on the two minute warning tweet two minute warning like every every time I would play the game like instead of just being the two minute warning. It was like he would say it, and then like a second later, it would beep, and then it it was like just continuous. Like it was set up to for him to say it within a second of each other. It just so it's just the funniest thing I remember about um, the old school Madden, where it's just the colored jerseys and numbers, like nothing else that made it any different. You know, you could tell the teams outside of just the you know black pants and red shirt. If it's the Falcons, I mean, it was just so funny how how amazing it is now the technology and how you know crisp it looks.
1: They used to be those, those hidden plays. Like I remember in the nineties and I was playing my oldest son, Jordan, and I had the 49ers and I was just those slants to rice and he would go 80 yards every time. Oh, I yeah. like was like
0: 60 was to nothing.
1: That was it. I mean, you just had those, those plays you knew that could not be defend And he knew it was coming all the time. And it's just, again, it's the highest selling game, uh, in video games of all time. It's fascinating. I was watching the Hall of Fame game because I'm a degenerate last night. And Al Michaels was talking about Madden could have gone into the NFL Hall of Fame in three categories as a coach, as a broadcaster, and as a video game. Because it's just think like how many kids got interested in the NFL football from playing Madden. And it's not as big a thing as it used to be because, again, we're more <laughs> diversified as a society and a culture, and kids have more things to to interest themselves with but it's it's again it's it's been an icon in video games even to this day still it's it's a big thing it's still the biggest selling video game every year which is amazing
0: yeah it's i mean i have i think i have the one from last year i don't know if i'll get the one from this year um but you know because the cardinals are not going to be that much more exciting unless the kyler murray turns out great but who knows whether he's pre-programmed into that i might need to get Madden. 21 um if kyler murray's really good i might just have to get madden 21 when his attributes will be will be higher but i can tell you ernest i don't remember him coaching i was probably alive when he coached i just i didn't pay that much attention to it um unless he coached did he coach the raiders in the year that they played the buffalo bills to go to the first their first super bowl
1: no that was well the that was Tom Flores. No, was that Flores? No, 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 no. I'm trying to think who that was now. His last year was he coached from 66 to 77.
0: Oh, then yeah, I definitely wasn't. Yeah, I mean
1: he, he the Super Bowl against Minnesota in seventy-seven. I think he coached two more years after that, so I might have been eighty. Then Tom Flores came and Flores they won two Super Bowls against uh Against uh, the Redskins, and then they beat the Eagles. Eagles was eighty-one, I believe. Because I I remember that's that's when the hostages came back from Iran. Because they were that was I think the year that was the same day that Reagan was inaugurated was uh, that Super Bowl. So yeah, it's it's been since the seventies. That's again, that's been so long. And he coached for a relatively short period of time. He actually started coaching when he was only thirty years old.
0: Yeah, so I never saw him coach. Um, I've seen photos of him um, on the sideline, but I've but I've I was old enough to hear him do um, broadcasting. It was him and Pat Summerall. was that was that Monday Night Football when he did it with Pat Summerall. No, was that, no, that when was, he moved to that Fox.
1: Was, that was CBS, and that was the four o'clock game. And then when Fox bought from uh, NBC. The uh, NFC games, they started doing the four o'clock game for Fox. And then he went to Monday Night Football with Al Michaels. And when Michaels moved over to, well, it was actually, Madden was signed first because the trade, uh, actually, NBC, uh, no, 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 ABC owns Disney or Disney owns ABC. They had to trade the rights to Mortimer Mouse, some character predated Mickey Mouse. That was part of the trade for Michael's going over to NBC to do Sunday Night
0: Football. That's funny. That's pretty funny. I love Al Michaels. Um, I mean, obviously, I liked him with football, and then I, you know, the Miracle on Ice. Every time I hear that, it's cool knowing he he was there too. So I like there's there's certain guys, Keith Jackson, when he did the Rose Bowl, but I mean anything when he the Whoa Nelly things like that. I mean, there's certain broadcasting, and there's probably some in college football now that I can't tell you their name, but I, if I heard their voice I'd be like, Oh yeah, I hear that guy all the time. There's a guy on Fox Sports that always gets really excited. Um, couldn't name him, but when I watch college football, he gets really excited. Um I just have to Oh uh, you,
1: the, you mentioned oh um, uh, this uh, oh man I just blanked out. Who were we talking about just a second ago? Uh oh Brookshire. You know Brookshire had a little thing that you know Brookshire had a drinking problem. But Brookshire used to do a little thing and his broadcast with Madden. It was he had to do the promos for the you know after the game sixty minutes, and on purpose he would mess up or stretch out. Murder, she wrote. So you can look this up on YouTube. He'll go after the game sixty minutes and murder, she wrote, <laughs> and he did this all on purpose. And I you know I remember Brooks Shawn only doing that. He did golf. He did the U.S. Open all the time. Tennis. I mean, he's one of those guys, like you said, like a Michaels, like in my day, a Kurt Gowdy uh, guys who just, you know, Buck tries to be that Buck has a little bit of a swarminess that people don't like. I don't, I
0: don't don't like Joe Buck. Like I just, I'm not a big fan. There's a hilarious little meme out there where he's doing some broadcast in New York city and somebody runs up and throws a pizza on him.
1: Oh yeah. And he's like, are you kidding me?
0: Um that always makes me well, chuckle, but he's just I, on so much now that I'm like, ugh, like, well, it's like, this is the world series and I'm Joe Buck. And I'm like, and we're muting the world series. But
1: well, he, Some people it's because his dad was, his dad was such an icon.
0: I didn't, I don't know anything about his dad. I just know that I'm just so annoyed with Joe Buck. It's just like, oh, good. And the guy on Sunday night football that I don't like, not Al Michaels, the other guy,
1: um, uh, Chris Collinsworth
0: Collinsworth, Oh, I cannot stand that guy. Um, and then it's funny because I think his son's starting to do broadcasting for ESPN. Oh He's yeah. Dead. And I'm it's, like, oh it's, no.
1: It's, ESPN does that. They you know the Golic sons are both on there on radio and everything. I don't know. I guess, you know, you sign a contract with ESPN, they bring in the children or something.
0: Yes, uh, so, well, yeah, I can't stand Collinsworth. I just it's just I love Al Michaels, but I'm like, oh if they could just switch out somebody for Collinsworth, anybody, it would be great i would love it but i, I just uh he's like now here's a guy and blah blah, blah and you're just like uh
1: i um, tell you the next big star will be in broadcasting when he retires and i i not only because he's in my particular area because i've been watching the amazon series about the panthers which is kind of like watching the titanic because i know it doesn't end well but uh olson i'm just does, just Greg a Olsen? good job craig olson would be fantastic i mean they show him uh, spontaneously, and he's, he's quick-witted. He describes things very well. I and mean, He was one of the candidates for the present Monday night job when they decided to go with Booger McFarland. and he decided to see if he could play one more year, and I hope he can because I'm a Panther fan, but he's, he's somebody when he gets out there because you look at the guys now, and a lot of people that we thought would automatically be stars as broadcasters, Favre and Manning, I don't think Eli will be it, but no, Peyton could but do Romo's it. Romo's done
0: well. Romo was kind Romo, of a wild yeah. card, and he's done, I feel like he's done well. I mean, I think, I mean, he just got to broadcast the Super Bowl, too. I think he's done a good job because he's got that quarterback mind. Um, he couldn't always produce like he needed to on the field, and he was injured like, you know, every other day. I, I think there was a joke that when he signed with what CBS, they picked him up in an ambulance to take him to sign his contract, right? Um because he was always injured, but oh yeah, he uh no, that's just it was just a joke he, he they didn't actually do that, um but I think he's been fantastic, like I was kind of like hesitant like, yeah, right, okay, whatever, Romo, and he's done well every time I've heard him, I'm like, you know, I've been impressed, so I could see i mean I, I guess CBS doesn't have Sunday Night football at CSPN so I don't know if he'd ever make it over there, but he's been, I think, the next star of broadcasting and football that I've seen now there obviously there's local markets i'm not not getting a chance to see, but I think Romo's done fairly you know pretty well for how he is now now i don't know if that's going to translate in five years the game might change and his what he's guessing and predicting may not happen but for right now it's it's been great how many times he predict the play
1: yeah and it happens
0: i mean it's it's impressive so i i will give quarterbacks have
1: an advantage i mean dallas if you're in dallas you're probably going to get a uh audition anyway for a cowboy that's true look at me of those uh, and quarterbacks are usually natural who people doing that situation. I think Fitzgerald would be pretty good if he tried to do that. But I think guys now have more financial options that they don't have to go into broadcasting. They don't have to go into coaching. I mean, look at Peyton. Peyton can be his own CEO of a multi-million dollar
0: business. Peyton's and, fun to watch. I like, I actually think he's.
1: Oh, I think he'd be great. I think Favre would be good But for some reason. Every time they do these secret auditions, they go, nope, nope, nope. Which obviously means maybe he needs a beeper in there somewhere. Was, yeah. Uh, uh, some filter of some respect to keep him a five second delay or something, but I don't know. if it, You got to have that personality. I mean, Booker McFarland, we got to see him for about ten years doing SEC games on ESPN, so he was a known commodity in that respect. But you just never know. Mad would be the word. I mean, again, that was that came out of left field because when you saw him coaching, he was so undisciplined. His shirt was out. He was yelling and screaming all the time, and the fact. People knew he didn't like to fly on a plane. You thought, this guy is going to be the, 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 the out. color guy. Again, it came out of left field. You never see it.
0: Yeah. All right, Ernest. Well, we, of course, went over. We weren't sure if we'd make this a shorter version or not, and actually we're going long. So, uh, Ernest, what's your last word? We'll, we'll jump on one of these other subjects in our next podcast. Uh
1: maybe. I was my grandsons, Mason and Logan wanted me to mention them. And I told him again, I can't do this on the podcast. So sorry guys, Mason and Logan Watts. I can't mention you. Uh, shout out. We didn't hear any Michigan or Wolverines. Wasn't that nice folks?
0: We did have a couple of Michigan things, but yeah, not, we slipped not Michigan a few
1: in there. We switched a few college football's coming up. Get excited. And, uh, <laughs> we got excited. The NFL, the NFL preseason, they don't call them exhibition games for some reason. The NFL preseason games are up, so we can see guys who will be working, delivering our FedEx boxes next week or within a month, uh, playing quarterback and on the line.
0: I'm excited. All right, well, for Ernest and myself, have a great night.